Welcome to Self-Published Success, a show catered specifically to the innovators and entrepreneurs who sought creative control over their titles, chose self-publishing over traditional, and found overwhelming success in the process. In this show, we will introduce these risk takers and ask them a variety of questions. Why did you choose self-publishing? What were your results? And most importantly, what are some secrets to success? Self-published success is designed to get your creative juices flowing, to get you energized and excited for the road to authorship ahead. So sit back, grab your trusted pen and notepad, and get ready to gain tips that will help you along your own self-publishing journey. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Self-Published Success, a show that highlights forward-thinking authors who chose self-publishing over traditional and found success in doing so. My name is John Feldman, founder and CEO of Visionary Literary and your host for today's show. Our guest today is Kay Miller. Kay was the first woman ever hired for outside sales at Amarok, a division of Anchor Hawking. She was later hired by Walker Exhaust, the largest muffler manufacturer in the world. And here she became the salesperson of the year and earned the nickname Muffler Mama. Kay has since taken to helping others succeed in sales. Her new book, Uncopyable Sales Secrets, teaches her unique approach to having a thriving sales career. Okay, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, John. It's great to be here. And we're looking forward to having you. So one thing that I will note at the top is that between you and your husband, you have published 10 books and seven have been self-published. So That's right. Yes, That's listeners, right. we are going to get a lot of a lot of advice here, a lot of good tips, and I just first off want to ask UK to elaborate a little bit more on that very brief bio that I just read off. Sure. Um, like you said, I was the first woman ever hired in outside sales by this company, Amarok, and I was just out of college. I actually had a dream of working for something a lot more glamorous, like uh, Procter & Gamble was my big, you know, that was what my dream job, but apparently I was not their dream candidate. So I had to get a little scrappy and did some networking and ended up being hired by this company that was actually still is in the cabinet hardware industry. So it's knobs and poles, also uh, drawer slides and, and hinges in the functional cabinet hardware. So I worked for them for a few years ago, for a few years and did very well. And yes, I have some war stories, but overall, I have to say um, it was a really good experience and I was treated treated very well. And I was hired away by Walker Exhaust and sold mufflers and catalytic converters. Like I said, another a glamorous position and got this nickname Muffler Mama, which no yes. one has ever challenged me on. Nobody ever, nobody else wants to be called Muffler Mama. <laughs> But I did become the number one salesperson. And, um, you know, I, I did a lot of things that I recently put into my book, Uncopyable Sales Secrets, and things that I didn't really call uncopyable or have that framework for. But now it all makes a lot of sense. So I'm really enjoying uh, sharing that with other people doing um, consulting and speaking on sales. Good, good. I love that. So you already addressed my. My question, I wanted you to elaborate a little bit more on Muffler Mama and whether you liked or disliked it, but regardless, I think that is a very um, a cool, very unique name. And in an industry that I'm sure is, you know, 
salespeople, so the sales industry is usually male dominated. Car parts industry is very male yes, dominated. For sure. So yes. Yeah. So I have just being the salesperson of the year and earning that nickname had to have had to hold a lot of weight for you. Right. Oh, it did. It, it really, you know, I mean, I talk now about un, being uncopyable and that really became my trademark. And there's a story behind it that I, I don't think we're going to have time to share right now. I would encourage people to read, to buy my book, Uncopyable Sales Secrets. It is on Amazon. Um, I actually even recorded the audio version this summer. So it's, you know, um, whatever your pleasure, your reading pleasure, it's, it's on there. And I talk about um, some of the stories that put me on the map and helped me separate myself from the competition. Good. So that's one thing that you do mention in the book is getting, initially getting your foot in the door, right? For anyone who is a salesperson or like me, tried to be a salesperson and failed and moved into something else like sitting behind a computer and writing, <laughs> um, getting your foot in the door is something that is fairly difficult. When it comes to, yeah, go ahead. Well, it takes creativity. And like we talked about, I actually did a webinar today on getting in the door. Mm. Um, but if you have written a book, yes. that is one of the very best ways to get in the door. I mean, it can become your calling card. It can separate you from everyone else. And you're sending something of value instead of sending something that pitches. And, you know, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but that's where all our self-published books came in because we, you know, that, you know, the return on investment for what the doors it opened, the speeches, yes. the consulting was just huge. Yes. Yes. So it's okay. We can jump into that because that's something <laughs> that's very important that for, for anyone, public speaking, um, uh, coaching, consulting, Having that book, it just establishes that credibility. And obviously for you, you and your husband combined, you have 10 books. Yes. You see the value in it. You saw the yep. value in it at the beginning and you keep doing it. So yes, that, and it's interesting to note that now that you bring it up, we have 10 books, but we only have one kid. So you can oh. tell what, which one was more, you know, we were more <laughs> interested in repeating. <laughs> Don't tell my daughter. <laughs> no, she, she will never know. But yes, 10 books is, um, there's still a lot of work, so let's not the listeners just just know that books are a lot of work, but maybe not not as much as you know diaper changing and staying up late night <laughs> to to feed the baby. Um, right. But so one one other thing, right? So we we know how valuable books are for speakers, coaches, consultants. For the book itself, obviously, the book itself has to be credible. It has to be a good book. It has to because it's an extension of you and your business. So mm -hmm. with this with this idea of like getting your foot in the door at the beginning, that sort of carries over into the book too, because a reader, a potential reader can read through the first couple pages of your book and know whether or not they're going to finish that book or they're just going to put it down and move on to the next. Right. You've written 10. You obviously know what you're doing and you know how to capture someone's attention at the beginning. So for aspiring authors listening, what is some sort of advice that you would give for those first few pages to really capture the reader? Well, I have to, in full disclosure, only one of the books is mine. <laughs> and the other nine are my husband's. And his name is Steve Miller. And he's not the fly like an eagle guy. 
but um, he's the one who, you know, we worked together. I was his sale, selling him, selling and marketing Steve's consulting and um, speaking and products for many years. Um, and just to mention that it, it really, um, it wasn't like this in the old days as much, but um, now if you want to get a speech, the first thing they're going to ask is, you know, what's your book? You need a book. If you're not a celebrity, if you're not, you know, an astronaut or something, you've really, you've got to have something that sets yourself apart. And a book is a way, great way to do it. Right. I mean, we really looked at our clients and what they were needing. And um, like this book, 88 um, tips and ideas to supercharge your exhibit sales. So we were going after the exhibitor market and so we we were like, okay, what are the things that these people need to know that to stand out from the competition? And you know, this book, look at the size of this print, the font. It's huge. It's easy to read. Yes. Reasons why exhibit staffers fail at trade shows. It was really simple, but it was great information. It's yes. information that you could read this book and come away immediately with action items that you can use to stand apart yes. um, for your competition. So it was, it's really simple. If you know your audience, you know, your market, I should say, yeah. um, to see what do they need? What's going to help them? I mean, we've got 88 tips. We've got another one, 66 tips to promote your trade show. Um, most wanted market strat marketing strategies. These are really not, you know, they're they're simple books, but they were great. I yes. mean, are you enjoying today's episode and hearing this author's stories? Just think, a few short months or maybe years ago, this author was just like you. They were an aspiring author with a story to tell, listening to podcasts and reading books that could provide the spark needed to begin their authorship journey. But at some point, they had to take a leap of faith and they had to start their project. That leap of faith is what landed them here on our show. You too can be an author, and one day you can be on this very show, but you need to take that leap of faith. Go to www.visionaryliterary.com backslash free book to receive the spark you need to begin your own authorship journey. And we sold all of them. They are on Amazon, but you know, most the vast majority we used either to get in the door or we sold them to particular clients. Book a speech, and you can also, for a, additional money, you can get these books. So it's a money maker, right? Yes, yes. I've also uh, a previous client that I worked with. He's a public speaker as well, and he actually insists on when someone reaches out to him, he insists that for every ticket bought for the event they purchase his book and give it. So that is a way that you can get those sales up front too. But obviously you, know, you and your husband have succeeded with, with your options, but for the listeners, if there is a different option um, yeah. that no, better it's, suits it's, you. Yeah. It's great. But, like the, the webinar that I just did, one of our clients sponsored um, all of his distributors to come and then as a gift, you know, we, he said, okay, he would buy a book for each of them. So I'm yes. sending those out. Like you said, it's revenue. Yes. Yes. Revenue, baby. Uh -huh. Revenue. Revenue. And so going back to the 
like you said, everything inside each of the books is valuable. It's simple. Your your titles show exactly what's what the reader is going to get. So knowing your target audience, going back to before you even begin to outline the book, knowing your target audience is so important. Because if you were to write a book that was you know, geared toward people who are, I don't know, event organizers or trade show organizers or people attending trade shows, vendors, like you have to, you have to target them. You can't target somebody else who, who is yes. never going to a trade show. Right. And um, you know what? You can see this picture behind me, um, the moose. And I know you read um, my book. I sent you a PDF of it, by the way. I, yeah. I tried to mail it finally yesterday and it was a holiday. <laughs> but anyway, uh, of course. you know the content. Um, the moose is what we call the target market. And the the more that you know your moose and your target market, the better that you can write to that person. And, it. you know, really, we are all individual people when we are making decisions and looking at our options. So you're not writing to a crowd. You yes, know, you're not like, hey, important. folks, this is what you do. You're like, hey, you know, you, you with yes. a person who wants to make more sales at trade shows and are looking for the answers. Here's what, here are the answers. Here's my book. Yes, absolutely. That is pivotal. That's huge. You cannot address it as you're addressing to a room full of people, which for some public speakers, writing their first book is difficult to do because they're so used to that addressing the right. room. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's so, funny because I, I will read a book and like, um, the word folks pops into my mind because when I, I can be reading along thinking, oh my gosh, he's, that person's talking to me. And then yes, folks, I'm like, wait a minute, there, yeah. there's other people in this room of my mind, you know? Yes. 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 So important. Um, so you, and you did mention the moose and that you sent me the copy of your book. And as I was reading through it, one thing that I, that I noticed is the, the interior formatting. So you have graphics and things and it's, it's very visually appealing inside of your book for self-published authors. Usually we, we stick to just the very plain kind of vanilla with just chapter number mm -hmm. and the text. How, what, what was your process for getting some of those really cool graphics uh, inside of your book to kind of make it stand out? Well, when you have a publisher, that is one of the advantage, advantages of having a publisher because that is done for you. Um, and, you know, it really depends on your content. Um, I know somebody who's on LinkedIn, big on uh, LinkedIn, has a data. Uh, she specializes in data and she wrote a book. Uh, about using color and data. And this book, I mean, I, I, I actually, my husband ordered it. So I don't know how much it costs because it came and it was huge and tons of graphics and ton of, tons of color. So, you know, for something, a book like that, you need a lot of graphics and visuals. Right. I mean, depending on your budget, I'm, you know, if you're self-publishing, you can get simple graphics but if you have a publisher like for my book they do handle that which is really awesome good so you have gone both routes you've I dealt know. with and, you know, self-publishing I mean, and traditional to, yeah i'm trying to think just um i know there are some graphics in these but they're mm -hmm. so simple and these books are older you there are so many design tools now yes that there it's are much easier to come yes. up with graphics yeah, there's software everywhere to make sure that that gets put in. And if, like you were saying, color versus kind of black and white is can make a big difference with, with print costs, depending on 
how many graphics and things you have in there. But yeah, it is um, admittedly much easier now to input to input graphics into into your book than before. Um, good. So the the process of self publishing. So like you said, traditional they do a lot. There's a there's an offset there because there's a cost difference, um, and in you know creative control difference. But when it comes to the self-publishing process, in your experience, what has been like, what is one piece of advice that you would have for the listeners, um, I guess, of what to do on their self-publishing journey? I would say thinking back on that, because like I said, it has been a few years since we have self-published books, but of course you have to finance that book if you're self-publishing. And uh, one thing that we did, we pre-sold the books to our rate, you know, our best clients, you know, and and we got to the, the point, you know, with my husband, he was well enough known in the speaking industry and consulting industry that we would just say, hey, we have a new book coming out. The book might not have even been written. It's going to be 88 tips to do blah, blah, blah. And we would sell it cheap because that was financing yes. the book. So this is why I'm sure you're, you know, people need you to help them uh, go through this process because there are definitely things that you can do so that you don't, you're not putting out a bunch of money. And I don't even know all the self-publishing tools and tricks anymore that you can use i'm sure it's it's just amazing it's, it is um, yeah but you know i would say my biggest tip would be make your money up front pre-sell if you can um and you can sell it really cheap because you just you know you're just financing the book for for later that you can sell to others yes that is a very good point and when it comes to i mean even your coming up with your your cover design or your title or the contents of the book there's so many different ways in which you can reach out to people engage feedback beforehand as well like get get paid up front like you said which is fabulous because that you're not mm-hmm. you're not losing money um, from the start like many self-published authors do um, but you also have that ability to I said gain that feedback and make sure that everything you're putting together is um, is appealing and is is going to to sell yeah right that's great and and like you say the creative process it's it's funny my my husband's very first book was on trade shows and this was back in 1990 we were just newlyweds and he didn't have a job and you know he he has a saying that behind every successful man is a surprised mother-in-law and that was the case with us because i'm like okay but he had all these dreams and ideas and he sure you know knocked it out of the park but he wanted to um write a book on trade shows and he thought a great title would be the nine and a half minute sales call because you're limited in time on a trade show floor and he actually at the time it was ntc book which got books which i think got purchased by mcnaughton and gunn but I remember when the book came out or you're, when we we're getting into the creative process, they're like, oh, and it's called How to Get the Most Out of Trade Shows. We're like, really? That's so boring. <laughs> but I mean, you know, we figured they knew what they were doing. And the book still is on Amazon after all these years and still has good information. But um, anyway, I thought that was a funny little story. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So that is funny. When you go to a traditional publisher, they um, they have 
a whole lot of research and they have ways that they like to go about things and um you know they know what sells and what works so when you uh when you when you sign with a traditional publisher, you sign over some of those rights again. Yeah. Not that and it's, it's a whole, a you know, yeah. it is a whole different game because, you know, like you said, for us, self-publishing, we were the ones who really did know the market. We knew what people wanted and needed. And, and it was nice to have that control. Right. Right. So, you know, you know, what's best again, because you, you know, your moose better than, than anyone else. Than a publisher. Yeah. In this yes. case. Yeah. Yes. Good. So, so, okay. What is. What's what's coming down the pipeline for you? Are there more books? Um, how are you and your husband continuing to work together to put out this information to to help people? One of my um, new loves is consulting. So I do have some consulting clients and most of our clients through, you know, a lot of the our past work has been with associations, um, not, you know, huge associations, the houseware show or the, you know, the manufacturing technology association, I should say. Um, but lately we've been working more with smaller businesses, family owned companies and companies where we can really make a difference because there are so many, um, you know, rig things that you have to, hoops you have to jump through with big companies. So, you know, we just love consulting and training um, smaller companies where we can really make an impact. I continue to do sales Steve's latest book is actually called Stealing Genius, and it's all about getting new ideas, innovation, thinking differently, and uh, stealing from from different worlds, you know, like even Steve Jobs talked about back in the day, you know, looking at nature and music and all, you know, worlds and saying, how can you enhance what you deliver? So he speaks on the innovation, marketing, branding. I'm on the sales Um I will have another book. Um, I'm not even exactly sure what I'm going to do with that yet. Um, obviously, for me, women, saleswomen, B2B saleswomen are a huge moose for me because I've been in that field. Um, our daughter that I just mentioned, she actually works now for Maui Gym Sunglasses and just won their top sales award. So it runs in the family and and. Um, you know, the thing I love about sales too, is that you don't have to be salesy. The more, you know, that's exactly the opposite of what you need to do. You know, if you like people, you like to help people, you like to talk and listen. Um, that is really the secret sauce to sales, to thinking, thinking about how you like to buy. So I'm looking for other ways to spread the word. And, you know, as I said, I, I did today, I did my first public webinar and it was, was very successful. Look forward to doing more of that and, and helping people succeed. Excellent. Well, that's glad to hear. It's nice to know that maybe one day someone else, you can pass down the Muffler Mama name. And exactly. If somebody wants it, <laughs> it, it it's going to be available at some point, <laughs> not for a while, but. Well, that's good to know. So quick question before we part ways, but with these future books that are coming down the line, when you when you and your husband put these books out, are you going purely traditional now? Are you staying with self-published or does it really depend upon the book that comes out? Um, I think it will depend. Um, now that we do have a relationship with the publisher, I mean, you know, that, you know, 
we have a foot in the door. And like I said, there are a lot of advantages, but I think we would look at it on a case by case basis. I mean, you could write a book for one industry or for one segment and really hone in on what they do. And that to me would be a self-published book because, you know, publishers want the big, you know, whatever hit yeah. the big market. So yeah, that's what I see. Yes. Very good point. So, okay. Where, where can people find you and, and work with you? So I know we have uncopyablesales.com backslash visionary. Thank you for putting that together um, for our listeners. Can you just tell us a little bit more about what's available at that site? And then again, where people can follow you, whether it be social networks and so forth. Yeah. So the, the uncopyablesales.com is a very basic website. We're in transition um, on going to transition to a be uncopyable website, but for now, uncopyablesales.com and yet slash visionary, I've put together a giveaway just for John's listeners Thank you. Um, and audience. And um, my name is Kay Miller on LinkedIn. I'm Miller K and I welcome new connections as long as they don't pitch me right away. <laughs> which has been happening a lot. Yes, that's right. So, um, and my book, of course, is available on Amazon.com. And you can reach me, email K, K A Y, at uncopyablesales.com. Okay, thank you so much for, for sharing your insight and your story. Um, congrats on all of the books, whether you self published or traditionally published. And thank I you. personally love to hear that even though between the two of you, you have 10 books. You have more coming out and you already know that more will come down the pipeline. So thank you for taking the time to write those books because books seriously are so impactful to readers and we, we need more of them. So thank you. I again. agree. Thank you so much, John. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode of self-published success. We encourage you to put the tips and tricks you've discovered in this episode to use in your own author strategy. Please feel free to subscribe to this podcast and leave a review on your preferred listening platform. Until next time, continue chasing your vision of authorship success.